Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 3 of the Undead Rabbits podcast, the lighter horror podcast, where we hand you a cushion to hide behind as we delve into all things spooky. I'm Undead Rabbits, and joining me today is my co-host, or should I say, co-ghost, artist extraordinaire, my excellent friend, it's Vera. I ain't afraid of no Vera. I ain't afraid of no rabbit. We're leaving that in. <laughs> we are leaving that in. That's vital. Uh, three weeks in a row, or just about. How we doing? doing Can you believe right. it? I can't believe it. Not at yeah. all. <laughs> we absolutely need to take a vacation after this. <laughs> Baby's first podcast. And yes, there's a reason I called you my co-ghost. No, not because you're deceased. Because this week we're going to be covering Ghostbusters. Answer the call. 2016. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Was that a celebratory woo or a ghost woo? I can't tell. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. But first, before we go any further, here's our complimentary disclaimer from Future Rabbits. Hey everyone, Future Rabbits here with this episode's content warning. Here at Undead Rabbits, we like to preface every episode with a list of the sensitive topics we'll be covering to allow you to make an informed decision regarding your listening experience. In this episode, we'll be covering topics including, but not limited to, body horror, death, racism, misogyny, and sexual harassment. If you think we've left anything out of this content warning after listening to this episode, then please let us know in the comments. Enjoy the episode, everyone. Stay spooky, and most importantly, stay safe. Alright, but before we get to Ghostbusters 2016... Uh, we've got some other things to deal with in regards to Ghostbusters. Um, for totally professional reasons, not relating to SEO, um, we'd like to cover the most recent Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer. Yeah. Something I didn't know existed until it came up in our podcast discussion. <laughs> yeah, because it hasn't received the most marketing, has it? It's got a ton of merchandise, but not actual trailers. This is only the second one. Nope. Not a one. Haven't seen it at all. Hmm. Yeah, so I'll whack the um, link for that in the description. But do you want to briefly talk about how you're feeling about the upcoming film? So we can clip this out and get some good clicks. I mean, for professional reasons. Professional reasons. Professional. I'm not cynical. Uh, speaking of cynical reasons, though, I'm... Oh. <laughs> mm, I'm not sure about this one. I mean, because we only recently watched Ghostbusters again a few days before the trailer came out. We'd planned this episode before this trailer came out even, so this is just happy coincidence. But we saw the original Ghostbusters, and not to make this a podcast about three different movies, but do you want to give your thoughts on Ghostbusters 1 in two sentences or less? I can see why it's a classic, but it's also old. Mm. Misogyny central. Cool ghosts, though. Cool ghosts, though. And the second trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife is kind of make it seem like the opposite. Because, you know, there's women in it and they bust ghosts. But at the same time, we've barely seen any ghosts. <laughs> Which is kind of the big draw for Ghostbusters, I feel, you know? Yeah, it mostly seems to be... Well, I mean, I don't know, maybe they could go through the whole uh, family drama in the first half, but 
I don't know how long that'll... I don't know. It makes me worried. Hmm. Because we've seen... Let me go off the top of my head. We've seen Slimer in one of the trailers, I believe. We've seen, basically, Blue Slimer with extra arms. Ooh, creative. We've seen a terror dog. We've seen the baby Yoda of this film, the little mini puffs, which, yes, they are adorable, but they also revealed the merchandise of them on the same day they revealed them, so, uh, great job, gang. The reason baby Yoda didn't feel cynical is because he didn't have any merchandise at the time, so he was nice and nice little surprise. But with this, it's just like, oh, okay, these are the minions of the film, sure. They sure are, and I'm already horrified. <laughs> There's a terror dog that looks like it's part cloud or something, just a generic fangus demon ghost. And then maybe Goza climbing out of a big hole in the ground. And like, if they've got the original actress for that back, then, you know, that's pretty cool. But at the same time, I like new things, you know? New things can be nice sometimes. If I wanted to watch the old Ghostbusters again, I could just watch the old Ghostbusters again, you know? Exactly. And speaking of new things, um, Ghostbusters 2016 isn't... Um, earlier this month it passed its fifth anniversary, so, you know, we're really topical here. The march of time is inevitable. But I say that, but like, I was going through YouTube the other day, seeing if anyone else has covered this, we made sure we weren't treading on anyone's toes, but people are still making videos that like, Ghostbusters 2016 is as bad as you remember, and oh, all the things wrong with Ghostbusters 2016, and it's like, my god, you still care about this? <laughs> I mean, I guess Although we can't talk be... because we're also making an episode on this. Yeah, that's fair. So just for clarity, I only watched the movie, I want to say two, three weeks ago. And, well, I'll save my thoughts for after the synopsis. Uh, Vera, you only watched it about a week after I did. And then yep. we watched it again. <laughs> my third time, Vera's second time in about as many weeks uh, in preparation for this episode. It's true, we marathon that movie. <laughs> oh. So, um, enough dilly-dallying. Let me load up my synopsis that I wrote to myself. It is 1,810 words, so uh, buckle in everyone. Get yourselves a hot drink while I recap the plot of Ghostbusters 2016. Quick disclaimer, this is the extended cut of it that I'll be covering. Uh, the theatrical cut cuts out a lot of scenes, which we'll go into greater detail about later. Uh, if you want to watch Ghostbusters 2016, at time of recording, it is currently on Amazon UK, uh, Prime Video, uh, free with your subscription, for two more days, <laughs> and depending how quick the editing turnaround is, it might not be available anymore. If you want to get the um, full home video cut that we're talking about, uh, you'll probably have to seek out DVD or Blu-ray, unfortunately, but, you know, physical media, it's... It's days are numbered. It sure is. The march of time, as I've said, is inevitable. Alright, so are we ready for me to blast my lungs into dust as I read this entire synopsis that I wrote? I'm ready. <laughs> Strapping gang, this might take a while. The film begins with a ghost tour around Eldritch Mansion in New York City, which is supposedly haunted by the ghost of the former owner's daughter, who killed all their staff and was locked in the basement. During the tour, a candlestick falls to the floor, seemingly on its own, but after the tour, we see that it's designed to do so in order to appear haunted. We also see a strange sparking device hidden beneath a cabinet, but the tour guide does not notice this. As the tour guide prepares to close for the night, the basement door opens by itself, 
and the tour guide is subjected to a variety of paranormal activity, including furniture floating and himself being thrown around the rooms of the mansion. He attempts to hide in the basement, but the aforementioned ghost appears to him as the floor cracks and oozes slime, the camera zooming on a screaming face as the classic Ghostbusters theme plays. We now move to Erin Gilbert, a professor at Columbia University hoping to earn tenure. However, she is approached by the owner of the Aldrich Mansion, who believes that she can help investigate the previous events after finding a book on the paranormal written by herself and her former partner, Abby Yates, that Erin believed was destroyed, but is in fact being sold by Abby online. Erin confronts Abby at her own workplace, the Kenneth P. Higgins Institute of Science, and finds her continuing to research the paranormal with her new partner, Gillian Holtzman. The two tease Erin, and initially refuse to stop selling the book. When she mentions the owner of the Aldrich Mansion approaching her, Abby agrees to stop selling the book, provided Erin introduces her to the mansion owner. The three arrive at the mansion and investigate, soon encountering the ghost itself, which spews slime onto Erin before escaping. Erin's belief in the paranormal is restored, but footage of her frenzied reaction is posted online, and she's fired from the university. Abby and Holtzman attempt to comfort her, and gain more funding for their work from their own institution, but they are similarly rejected and mocked, leading to the three scientists vowing to investigate these phenomena on their own, but not before stealing the institution's equipment. After a brief session of house hunting, wherein the team attempts to move into an old firehouse, but is daunted by the cost, the three attempt to set up their headquarters above Abby's favourite Chinese takeout shop, which is still unable to deliver her orders in a timely fashion, despite only being a flight of stairs away. The three also hire a receptionist, the kind-hearted but gormless Kevin Beckman. Soon after, the three scientists, dubbed by Erin as the conductors of the metaphysical examination, receive their first client, subway worker Patty Tolan. After a strange encounter with a customer named Rowan, speaking of the fourth cataclysm and wandering onto the tracks, Patty discovered a device similar to the one seen in the mansion, and was soon confronted by the ghost of an electrocuted prisoner. The team follows Patty to the site of the encounter, but not before meeting a graffiti artist whom Patty butts heads with, their argument ending with crossing out the painting of the ghost he was working on. Holtzman taking a picture of the artwork before following the others into the tunnel. They find the burnt-out remains of the device, and are soon met by the same ghost that confronted Patty. Erin uses the device created by Holtzman to restrain the ghost in a proton stream. But without a way to contain the ghost, and a train approaching, the four are forced to retreat, the train slamming into the ghost and carrying it to Queens, spraying Erin with slime in the process. These scenes are interspersed with more insight on Rowan, the customer Patty dealt with earlier. He is an employee at the Mikado Hotel, and is revealed to be conspiring with a horde of ghosts, who he communicates with via a collection of mirrors. Rowan is the creator of the devices placed in the mansion in the subway, which are being used to release ghosts from their world into ours, or as he puts it, charge the lines, create the vortex, break the barrier. Back at their headquarters, Patty officially joins the team and gives them access to one of her uncle's hearses. Holtzman works on a device to contain captured ghosts within. Erin reveals the origin of her interest in the paranormal. When she was eight years old, her next-door neighbour died and haunted Erin for almost a year. For her whole life, no one believed her until she met Abby, and the two became fast friends. After reminiscing over an old photo, the two of them reenact an old-school musical presentation about ghosts for Holtzman and Patty. Most importantly, the two described the barrier, which is the only thing separating the worlds between the living and the dead, and why ghost sightings are relatively uncommon. The team sees footage of their subway encounter from the news, but it is debunked by paranormal cynic Martin Heiss, the group being derisively dubbed as Ghostbusters, a name that sticks, much to Erin's dismay. They have little time to process this, however, as they soon receive a call from the Stonebrook Theatre, as the manager has encountered a ghost himself. The Ghostbusters head to the theatre in the hearse, which has been customised by Holtzman into the Ecto-1, with various forms of unstable equipment on top, sporting a new red and white deco, complete with artwork found in the subway as a logo. The Ghostbusters soon arrive, and find another one of the devices. They find the ghost, a goat-headed winged spirit, and are able to capture it inside the ghost trap in the middle of a rock show. But the crowd initially believes the encounter is part of the performance, the team is greeted with reporters and praise when they leave the theatre. Rowan watches the news coverage, while sketching a fanged version of the Ghostbusters logo. After returning with the captured ghosts, the group is visited by Martin Heiss, who demands to see the ghost, lest he dub them as frauds again. Though Abby tries to convince her otherwise, Erin releases the ghost from the trap, which knocks Heiss out the window to his death as it escapes out the window. 
The Ghostbusters take and see the mayor, who makes them agree to be depicted as frauds and allow the people of New York to go back to believing ghosts do not exist. After developing a plethora of new equipment, the Ghostbusters correlate the reported ghost sightings they have so far, and find that they all lie upon ley lines, a hidden network of supernatural energy. The lines intersect the Mikado Hotel, so the team heads there and discovers Rowan, along with a larger version of the devices they've already found, inside the hotel's basement. Abby attempts to talk him down. He claims that the world has always looked down on him, and he seeks to get revenge, but Abby states that they know how he feels, and attacking others won't help anyone. Rowan ignores this, but when he discovers the police are coming, he grabs the exposed machinery and electrocutes himself, dying on the spot. The police soon arrive, escorting the Ghostbusters from the scene and claiming they are frauds. On the way back to the headquarters, they are further harassed by a blogger, who Erin punches, an event that ends up in the news. Erin looks through Rowan's journal that she took from the hotel basement, a repurposed copy of her and Abby's book, and realises that killing himself as part of the plan, and he intends to return as a ghost to start the fourth cataclysm. While Erin attempts to warn the mayor, Rowan's ghost attacks the Ghostbusters' headquarters, first possessing Abby, then taking control of Kevin, using his body to break into the hotel basement and restart the machine, breaking the barrier and allowing the legions of ghosts to swarm into New York City. Abby, Patty, and Holtzman take the Ecto-1 to help the citizens, but the car is stolen by the gluttonous ghost Slimer, the Ghostbusters unable to stop him due to the volatile equipment on the Ecto-1. They are then attacked by a group of haunted parade balloons, almost being crushed by a float of Mr. Stay Puffed before they're rescued by Erin. Back at the Mikado Hotel, the army and police attempt to fight a Rowan-possessed Kevin, but are forced to dance by his ghostly powers before being frozen in place. The Ghostbusters soon arrive, and Rowan sends a horde of ghosts to attack them, including the Ghost Fortilio in the film, which the team are able to defeat using their new gadgets. Once the army of ghosts are defeated, the team confronts Rowan in the hotel lobby, where the vortex is raging. Rowan releases Karen from his possession, and asks the Ghostbusters what form he should take next. Patsy suggests he should become a friendly little ghost, which Rowan responds to first by becoming a copy of the ghost from their logo, turning the red cross into a bow tie in the process, before twisting it to look more like his earlier designs, and growing to a colossal size, destroying the hotel in the process. As the Ghostbusters evade the giant Rowan, they try to think of a way to close the now exposed vortex. After seeing Slimer driving the Ecto-1, they realise that by overloading the equipment on top of the car with their proton streams while it's inside the vortex, they could reverse the vortex and suck all the ghosts inside. The plan works, and the ghosts are dragged away, including Rowan, who grabs Abby on his way inside. Wrapping a tow line around her waist, Erin jumps into the portal to save her friend from Rowan's grasp. Dragging her out of the ghost world unharmed, but both of their hair turned white. While the mayor still attempts to dismiss the events as fake, his assistant quietly thanks the Ghostbusters for their work, offers them funding, and even allows them to move into the firehouse they first scouted, before Patty's uncle arrives looking for his hearse, leaving her to explain its current location on the other side, not New Jersey. In a sequence of mid- and post-credit scenes, we see the Ghostbusters continue their research. Kevin has become a competent secretary, Abby is finally receiving her takeout orders on time, Holtzman is working on new equipment and containment alongside her old mentor, and Patty listens to a strange paranormal recording, before asking her fellow Ghostbusters, what Zool? So, that was Ghostbusters Answer the Call 2016, and I definitely did that in one take without any editing, as you can tell. Definitely. So, Vera, um, what did you think of the movie? It wasn't that bad. <laughs> Is that the best you can say about it? It wasn't that bad. No, it was... It was just an alright movie. I'm just gonna say it. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it was fun. I think it's because I had such low expectations going into after five years of derision. But no, I just really enjoyed it. Honestly, controversial opinion inbound. Get ready to unsubscribe, everyone. I enjoyed it more than Ghostbusters 1. Sorry, but I did. Very controversial take controversial take but you know it's my opinion and i'm correct 
You serve them up steaming hot. So, if you haven't unsubscribed immediately, join us in the next part as we delve further into our opinions on Ghostbusters 2016, talking about what we liked, what we didn't, what we changed, and what we keep the same. Stick around, everyone. See you after the break. See ya. Welcome back, everyone. So, Vera, how are you feeling after that break? Feeling pretty good. Good. I'm glad. My lungs are still in dust form, but, you know, not everyone can be perfect. Don't worry. I've swept them up. I've put them in a little jar. <sighs> and speaking of making things out of smaller things, let's do what we always do when talking about specific media and make ourselves a compliment sandwich. Except it's going to be a really shitty sandwich because a lot of it is going to be bread. A whole lot of bread. Mm-hmm. This is like a loaf of bread that someone's just injected some fillings inside. Which, honestly, if someone hasn't already done that, then, you know, get on that. So, Vera, would you like to start us off with your first pro or con of Ghostbusters Answer the Call 2016? I'll start with a pro, the soundtrack kicked ass. Oh, the soundtrack is absolutely amazing. I'm so glad you started with that. It was so good, though! It really was. Um, I don't know if I can put any clips in this for copyright reasons, but go seek out the Ghostbusters 2016 soundtrack. It is incredible. Did you have any particular track in mind when you were um, making this pro? Definitely the orchestral remix at the big fight slash finale of the whole thing. Mm, it's incredibly good. And it's not to drag back to Afterlife again, but they still haven't used the Ghostbusters theme in any of their trailers yet, which is a little daunting. But yeah, Ghostbusters 2016 takes it to really good effects. As I said in the synopsis, they use the classic one at the very beginning. And throughout the film, they use a few different variants. They even do one by Fallout Boy, which works far better than it has any right to. Honestly, though, it's... I don't know how to feel about that, but it does work. <laughs> Uh, there's a few other good tracks as well, um, especially during the credits as well. There's one song, oh, I can't remember the title of it as we speak, you know, professionalism, but it was just really good. They really were. It was just, I had such a good time with that soundtrack. Heck, I had a good time with the whole movie. Yeah, it's just a really good film to watch with friends. I think that's, that's, that's going to be my first pro. It's just a fun film to watch with someone else, you know. If you're watching on your own, you're going to have an okay time, but... If you're sitting with someone else, you can laugh along with it and make jokes about it. I think that's the best way to watch it. Yeah, it's a very fun friend film to have and just kind of watch and pal around while you do. Yeah, it's about friends and it's good to watch with friends. So, you know, it's good. With Ghostbusters, the original, again, not to make comparisons to other movies, because this is a good movie by its own rights, but, you know, it's part of a franchise, so it's got to answer to that curse. But we had a rough time watching that movie. <laughs> Yeah, some parts definitely haven't aged too well. And there's it's just drags a lot. Um, there's some characters we loved. Again, Rick Moranis. 
excellent every time. Spengler, wonderful. But then Bill Murray appears and just sucks all the life out of the room. <laughs> Sorry, but it's true. We're gonna get so much flack for this. It's fine, you know? Our very first episode was complaining about some conservative Christian guy. If they hadn't got the gist from that episode, they have from this one. Sorry, guys. But speaking of the characters, they're really good in this as well. They are. My, did you have a favorite? Listen, I'm I'm here for Holtzman, baby. I'm I'm here for Holtzy. <laughs> I love her so much. God bless Holtzman. She has such an energy to her. I'm not going to specify what kind of energy because we want to remain somewhat safe for work. But yeah. <laughs> It's all energy. She's so much all the time. But the other Ghostbusters are fun too. Um, I know Erin was secondhand embarrassment central for you, but <laughs> sometimes that's funny. It's sometimes it is funny, and like we said at the beginning of all this, it's a fun friend film. They work their best when they're all together. Yeah, exactly. It's an ensemble film. Um, who are the others? Abby's okay, Melissa McCarthy? Yeah, she's alright. There's nothing, like, bad or offensive about her. She's a fun, quirky comedy kind of character, but I feel like she doesn't go far enough, like Holtzman, or doesn't pull it back to be a more grounded character, just leaving her kind of hanging in the middle. Yeah, I feel like I didn't know exactly what to do with her, as I alluded to in the synopsis. Her character arc is essentially getting her takeout orders on time, getting her wontons, which I know, for some reason, a lot of people back in 2016, they took a lot of umbrage with this. They thought it was, like, a dumb plot point. But the trick is, whenever anyone criticizes anything you like, and they're also a Ghostbusters fan, just mention the fact that in the first film, Dan Aykroyd gets a ghost blowjob. Yeah, basically. That's it. Yeah, That's all you need down to say. That. Yeah, they can make as many queef jokes as you want. They can shoot the Ghostbusters logo in the balls. You can't say anything. So in the first one, Dan Aykroyd got a ghost blowjob. Sure did. Uh, do you have any... Oh god, what am I doing? Moving on to the next point. I'm forgetting about the best character out of all of them. Human Labrador. Kevin. God bless that big dumb boy. <laughs> He's like if the dog from Up made a wish to become a person... And he did. Yep, you got it in one. Oh, just... Just the absolute most. Just... Uh, honestly, I don't even want to spoil any of the jokes that they make about about him, stroke at him, stroke at his expense. Just such a fun character, honestly. He just really is, though. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, there's the fourth Ghostbuster, um, Leslie Jones playing Patty who, as is Ghostbusters tradition, unfortunately, she is the only non-scientist of the group and is also black, so thanks for the casting there. But, you know, she's not a one-note character. They do do a lot with her. And her performance is, like, really... She puts her role into it, and I appreciate that. It's really good and really fun. Yeah, she did not... I mean, even if her performance was bad, she didn't deserve it, but, like, all the abuse she got after this movie came out and still gets to this day because... I think, like, she said something vaguely derisive about the new film, or she saw her trailer for the new film and made a comment about it. I don't know, but just leave her alone, you know? She'd put in a good performance in this movie. Leave her be. Go outside. How dare she be a woman of colour in a Ghostbuster space? Ah. Yeah, exactly. 
Oh, and speaking of that entire <laughs> archetype, let's talk about the villain of the movie, Rowan. Mm-hmm. I wonder why so many uh, so many OG Ghostbusters <laughs> fans hated this movie. Who could say? Well, counterpoint, they probably didn't even see the film, so... Fair. <laughs> they probably didn't even know about him, except for the clips they saw on YouTube. But yeah, they didn't pull punches with Rowan. He really is just an angry white guy. Sure <laughs> he is. he's better than everyone else. He goes to the rock concert and he's like, oh, all this partying. I'm too cool. <laughs> they don't know I'm into ghosts. <laughs> oh, happy disenfranchisement, most of our fans. <laughs> Listen, it's true. And one other thing that I like about the main villain for this, as opposed to Ghostbusters 1, I like how the main villains are ghosts at the end. Like, in the first one, I think they kind of miss a trick of it by making it be this Sumerian terror god. When, like, Ghostbusters 2 and this one, yeah, the villain the Ghostbusters face should be a ghost, I feel. You know. Granted, it wasn't a ghost for the whole movie, but it still fits. Oh, but, and we'll get to character design later, but oh, at the end of the movie, that ghost design. Mm-hmm. Mwah. Chef's kiss. Agreed. <laughs> Before we... G- Before we gush about ghost designs, actually, do you have any cons about the movie? I'm thinking really hard here, and I'm having a hard time coming... Um... (laughs) Uh... Hmm. The first scene where it starts with just Aaron kind of drags a bit. Oh god, yeah. Um, building on the characters' bits. I didn't even mention in the plot synopsis, um, she has a boyfriend for some of the movie. What's his name? Jim? Phil? I think it's Phil. Just insert some four to three to four letter white man name. Throw it in there. It'll be fine. (laughs) And the reason I didn't mention him is because he is so irrelevant. He's in the opening scene introducing Eren to someone that doesn't really amount to anything. Uh, He's there when she's fired and ignores her. And then he appears once more after he's become a ghostbuster. And he's like, what are you doing, Eren? You've been ignoring my calls. And she's like, I'm a Ghostbuster now, so fuck off. Along with some of the funniest lines in the movie, courtesy of Patty and Abby. True, that exchange was solid gold. (laughs) To quote out of context, he uses a lot of teeth and he thinks he's doing you a favour. They got him in one. They did it. They nailed it. Only... (laughs) Only topped by, you tear off that v-neck and there's another v-neck underneath that. Absolutely perfect. Uh, uh, Before we go back onto prose so I can talk about the comedy and ghost designs, are there any other cons? I guess, again, Patty being semi-sidelined isn't great. I read somewhere, and I don't have a source on this, I can't find it anywhere, but I remember reading somewhere that... The role wasn't originally written for Leslie Jones, I think it was written for one of the other main actresses. It might have been um, Kate McKinnon, actually, as in who plays Holtzman. But apparently the director, Kevin Feige, he saw Leslie Jones in an SNL sketch sometime afterwards and then put her in the role. I don't know if that's much better or not. Again, that's just conjecture. I don't know if that's actually true or not. I can't find my source on it. If I can, I'll put it in the description, but if that is true, then... Eh? Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, but 
But then again, in the original Ghostbusters, they originally gave um, Winston a bigger role as well. She's going to be like a demolitions expert. And also played by Eddie Murphy at one point, which is bizarre to think about. Yeah, don't know how I feel about that one, but hey, whatever. I think they made the right casting decision in the end, but yeah, Winston deserved better. Patty deserved some better. They handle it better than they handle Winston, because she's in it for most of the movie. Yeah, no, she's actually here for most of it, which is a lot better. I guess that's my other con as well, because in original Ghostbusters, Winston joins after the big Ghostbusting montage. In this movie, there isn't one. There isn't a big Ghostbusting montage, which sort of took me out of it. The only traditionally bust is in putting a ghost tramp. One ghost in the entire movie, and then they let him go. Yeah, honestly, that's... Some of the ghosts they talk about in passing, I really want to see. Yeah, okay, we gotta bite the bullets. The ghost designs are a big pro and also a big con in themselves, because the ghosts we do see are some of my favourites in the franchise, but also they miss out on a lot of them, and they talk about them as well. Vera, do you want to talk about the one that I know you missed the most? The one you wanted to see the most? Listen, in passing, they mentioned the sighting of a ghost polar bear. I want to see the ghost polar bear, damn it! <laughs> when they're plotting out the um, ley lines and talking about the incidents and correlating them, they mention a ghost polar bear, and I'm so sad we didn't get a big Ghostbusters montage where we see the ghost polar bear. Because, let me go from top to bottom, but end to end with the ghost designs we have. We have the mansion ghost, who's a blue lady. You know, pretty standard haunted mansion ghost. Then we get the subway ghost, who's, again, a blue person. But at least they have some electricity and you can see the skeleton underneath. You know, it's sort of different. Then we get, in one of Rowan's scenes, we get, what can I describe as the Pokemon Ditto growing from the back of someone's neck? Yeah, that's no Bizarre. that's a good that's a good description of it. You got it. <laughs> uh then we get Mayhem, the ghost at the rock concert, who is your standard goat headed Jersey Devil monster demon Satan thing, you know, you you know what I'm talking about. Looks um, yeah, it's competently well put together as someone who has seen a lot of Jersey Devil monster designs. It's a it's a good one. It's alright. <laughs> I think you're just gonna say you've seen a lot of Jersey Devils, and it's like, <laughs> where do you live? Not in Jersey. You know, every night you look out on the back porch, they're rooting through your garbage, those darn Jersey Devils. You shake my fists at them Jersey Devils hanging out on my porch. And then after Mayhem, we basically get straight to the, um, what's it called? Fourth Cataclysm. And. We get a few more ghost designs. The design I always forget are the parade's float ghosts, the balloons. Because they're in it for such a short amount of time, they leave such little impact, really. No, I agree. It's... They're sure there to be a set piece. And to have the... Uh... Traditional, now, Stay Puffed cameo. Which, I guess it was a cute way of doing it, and they're decently animated, but... Eh, not not my favourite. And then we get a few in the whole apocalypse montage. We get we get some ghost rats coming out the sewer. That's cute. We get a ghost flasher, and he flashes, and it's just like bones beneath. Again, kind of funny. 
we get the <laughs> we get the uh, Boston ghost. That one was great. I loved the Boston ghost. But again, just a blue guy. Again, throughout the rest of the apocalypse, you get like Civil War ghosts and it's like tall guy on stills ghosts. But again, they're all just blue and green guys. And then we get to Rowan as a ghost. And my goodness. Oh, it's such a good design. Just, oof. It was so good. So like first he shifts into like 2D animation as the Ghostbusters logo. And he twists the stop sign into like a bow tie. And it's like, oh, that's really good. The and 2D then animation becomes... is so fluid and he's so cute and it's genuinely like i would want to see more of that 2d form if we'd had the chance it was really good and then we get oogie boogie's cousin (laughs) oogie boogie's very big cousin tall and i say that with some mockingness but the details on this form are so good you look at it and it's When you first see it, you think, oh, okay, it's a red and white ghost. It's just replacement Mr. Stay Puffed. But it's not. You look at the texture, and it has this, like, burlap sap texture to it. And then there's, like, bits of blue shining through. And by this stage, it had enough of blue ghosts. But it was different enough that it felt good. And then they show off an explosion and, like, set some of the sack on fire. It's just, ugh, so good. And he does the jaunty walk, Vera. He does the jaunty walk from the cartoon. He does a little jaunty walk. You're right, and it's he good. He does his angry, jaunty walk as he chases down the Ghostbusters. <laughs> Just want tuba soundtrack, menacing tuba. That's what he needed. It's true, and just the texture, the walk, the look, like the way it interacted with the environment. Yeah, because Mr. Stay Puffed. As cool as a design he was, he didn't do much. He walked down a street, kind of stepped on a church, but they just sort of superimposed it over, and then sort of climbed up the skyscraper. Didn't do that much. Rowan is like, fucking shit up. <laughs> he's throwing cars. He's punching buildings. He's When he grows, he blasts out of the hotel. It's amazing. He wears it like a suit before kicking his limbs out. Oh, it's so good. It really is. Oh, and I forgot, the one returning ghost, not counting Balloon Mr. Stay Puffed, uh, Slimer and his missus. <laughs> his wife. <laughs> uh, when I knew Ghost... Sorry. When I knew Slimer was in this movie, I was worried it would be a gratuitous cameo. But honestly, no. He's in a hot dog cart during the apocalypse scene. He busts out, steals the Ecto-1, which, Chad move. And then when we see him, he's just partying with his wife. And I love it. They are couple goals, frankly. Honestly, they just have a good time and party at the end of the world. Even when the car explodes and they're like falling into the vortex, they're loving it. They're loving it. They got their arms up. They're going, whoa, love it. Listeners, find someone who loves you as much as Miss Slimer loves Slimer. Honestly, though, just out here living your truth. We should have saved this episode for Valentine's Day, honestly. True, that's couple goals right there. Uh, so that's the ghost positives covered, but the ghost negatives, as I alluded to, there's a lot of just blue people, and we'll elaborate this in the next part, but there were so many ghost designs that just went unused or changed, they were less interesting, 
or just reject it. And it's such a shame. But the interesting ones we do get, they are really good. And I can at least hang on to that. Exactly. Like, even though we talked about Mayhem being a bit, you know, blasé, the detail work, like when it was standing on Patty's shoulders, was amazing. And I wanted to see more of that. I'm glad that, I think of all the main ghosts, or I say the three main ghosts, you got Lady at the start, Electro Ghost, and then this one. This one got the most screen time. He was at the rock concert, which is a pretty long sequence anyway. They've got him busting out and killing Bill Murray. And then he comes back in the end and gets put through the Ecto Chipper, which, you know, what a way to go. What a way to go. But just seeing that kind of detail work and fun stuff that they put in with like the final Rowan design, Mayhem, Slimer, it made me want to see way more non-human ghosts. Hmm. And I guess I have one more big con with this movie, and it's about one of our favourite characters, Kevin. Uh, the dynamic between him and Eren is problematic, to say the least. It's uncomfortable. We talked earlier about how the original Ghostbusters was misogyny central, but having a female employer, I'm just going to say it, harassing her male employee doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make you a girl boss, I'm sorry. Really doesn't. It just feels kind of uncomfortable the whole way around. Yeah, it's and it's a shame, because if they did just treat him with, like, fascination of just, wow, how is this guy, you know, living his life when he's covering his eyes when he hears loud sounds, as opposed to aggressively dancing at him, or asking if he's single during his job interview, and etc. It's, it's a shame, and I feel like it's something we need to talk about, you know, as much as we like this movie, it does have problems, and that's possibly the biggest one. Yeah, they make some fun of it at the end, and that's nice, but also... Yeah. Should've just brought back Janine, honestly. God, what I would... Oh wait, they did! I forgot, they did bring back Janine! They did bring back (laughs) Janine! She wasn't it, wasn't she? (laughs) Okay, one, one more bonus pro just to bring the levity back up. The cameos were all pretty cute, honestly. The cameos were very fun, and listen... Even if I didn't appreciate Bill Murray very much in the original movies, I yes, crucify me, Ghostbusters <laughs> fans. Go on, do it. You won't. Not the point. Regardless, the fact that the filmmakers acquiesced to his one demand of him showing up would require killing him via ghost, I, I respect that. <laughs> I'm so glad and so here for it. But it just goes to show that, you know, the fact that he went along with that scene and his acting, you can tell he was getting into it. I'm sure all the actors who came back for this, Dan Aykroyd's little cab driver scene, where he's like, oh, it was just a class five apparition or whatever it was. And that was cute. True. Um, they were all very good. And Patty's uncle. Oh, Patty's uncle. Again, as I said in the summary. Oh, it's on the other side. You mean Jersey? Love it. Oh. It was all great. And Janine coming in as the, um, at the desk at the hotel, 
with the whole what do you want loved it loved it Sigourney Weaver as uh, Holtzman's mentor at the end moi exquisite safety lights are for dudes it's a fun movie I think that's my cap for talking about the movie itself it's a movie where you feel like everyone involved was having fun you know exactly it just it was fun it wasn't like you know uh, the creation of a new classic it wasn't awful it was just a fun movie yeah, they're having fun, they're being silly, they shoot the Ghostbusters logo in the dick. What's not to enjoy? Exactly! Well, I'll tell you what's not to enjoy. Uh, cut content! Join us in the next part where we talk about how the film is butchered in some releases, while also talking about all the rejected ghost designs. See you soon, gang. Bye. Bye. Boston makes me feel good. Welcome back, everyone. Vera, how are you doing after that break? Doing all right. Hydrated. Having a good time. Ready for spooks. Yeah? Did you hydrate with some Ghostbusters brand Ecto Cooler? God, I wish. <laughs> I hope not, because I think that was last released in 2016. Mmm, a fine vintage. <laughs> it will be full of microplastics. But Woo! hey, if you're into that... Drink up. Glug glug. So, last part. So, last part we talked a lot about the ghost designs, and specifically how a lot of ghost designs didn't make it into the final movie. Uh, one of the artists of this movie was Tully Summers, who about a year after the movie came out, posted some of the ghost designs on his portfolio. Now, our reference for this is an article on bogleach.com, and if you enjoy what we do here, please check out bogleach.com. It's such a good horror review website. They cover a lot of monster designs, they cover a lot of interesting media. It's good to look at, and they cover all toys as well, so, you know, something for everyone. Yeah. So, Vera, you haven't seen these designs yet. It's true, I haven't. This is my live reaction, right here, on set. So, if you'd like to join us, I'm going to be putting the link to this article in the description below. So, while we're talking about it, you can scroll down, look at each design, and see exactly what we're talking about, because the medium of podcasting does not allow for visual feedback. It's true, you can't see all my wacky hand gestures or prop comedy. <laughs> my mother did always say I had a face for podcasting. Which is weird, because podcasters were invented back when I was born. Weird how that works, huh? So, let's start with the very first design on this article, which is uh, Clown Ghosts. Very creative name, but far more creative design. Uh, Vero, what's your first impression of this freak? Look at that wide boy! <laughs> He's so pleased to see you. He's so happy! I love him! This is... <laughs> This is what I mean when I say I wish the designs were a bit more creative than just blue people. Because look how grotesque he is. 
It's like if you ran over a clown with a steamroller and then put a music box crank in his ear. It's absolutely horrible, and that's why I love it! They're just so much, and like the little fez with the bow they've given him, and like how the eyes are kind of sad, like some kind of deep sea animal. Love it. Just so good, oh my god! But Vera, he has a surprise, because stroll down to the next image. Oh my god, he's a jack-in-the-box! He's got a little friend! <laughs> he's got a Beetlejuice worm inside him. That's so good! Oh, just... oh my god! And it's such a different clown face, a lot thinner, the nose is a lot brighter, he's got the blue face, but with the hair coming out. And just those teeth, look at it. And what's even going on with that? Is that a second row of teeth inside, like a lamprey or something? Just like a circular row of them? I think so, and it looks great. God. He's like a waste disposal unit, I love it. But apparently the studio thought it was a bit wild, so they asked for a more traditional clown. So Tully provided that, if we scroll down to the next image. But he thought, I gotta add in, you know, something a bit wacky. So we filled the clown's mouth with centipedes. <laughs> you know, that sure is adding something. I won't say what, but something. <laughs> I can't believe Tilly Summers predicted Resident Evil 7. <laughs> just... Just... Ugh. <sighs> you can see the translation from the final film's ghosts, which are just blue people from the original concept, but just, god, the centipedes, where'd you, where's that from? <laughs> Where do you get that? Where do you think? Oh, what does this ghost clown need? I know, centipedes. Listen, <laughs> sometimes you look inside yourself and what you find is centipedes. You either find a tapeworm with a clown's head, or failing that, a load of centipedes. Oh, so, yes, this is the kind of thing we're in for as we scroll through this article. Giving this up was criminal. Although I say that, the next one is... The next design is very different. So, Vera, one of the early plot points of the movie involved not only human ghosts coming to the world, but ghosts from other dimensions. We are looking here at an alien ghost. Oh. My. God. This is referred to as Otherworldly Ghost, version 1, and God, it's beautiful. Look at it. It's Gorgeous! God, you got the runes, and you got the six arms and all the spikes at the back, and it comes together like a mermaid's tail almost at the bottom. It's like, ugh. Oh, it's beautiful. And let's go to the next image. Look! Again, another mouth surprise. Look at that! It's all mouth surprises! It's just got a mouthful of spider limbs, and look at the, how the runes look like eyes on the face. Ugh. Oh. God, absolutely beautiful. I'm so sad they didn't go with this idea. Alright, this is another con I'm adding. Hey, I'm adding some more filling to our compliment sandwich. Where the fuck are these? <laughs> uh, I know I talked earlier about how I'm glad the villain of this movie was a ghost as opposed to an interdimensional being, but you know, you can have both. You can have the ghost of an interdimensional being. That's so cool. It's the coolest. <laughs> oh. So earlier we were talking about how Mayhem's design, the rock show ghost, was one of our favourites. Mm -hmm. Well, if we scroll down to the next image, we will see that, first of all, that scene was really going to be a rock concert. It was going to be set at Comic-Con, and Mayhem was going to look like this. 
Of this, I don't even know where to begin. What a pretty boy! God, look how it's like it's like it's made of smoke, it's wisping all along the edges. The wings are just non existent. It's got little hip arms. Is the ribcage upside down? I think so. God, it's beautiful. Oh, oh. What a good design! Oh, it's an absolute beauty. And like the empty eyes, like we love mayhem, we love all the fur texture and the um goat heads, but oh look at this. And at a comic con no less. That would have been so interesting. That would have been great. And again, speed of mouse surprises, scroll down to the next one. It's all mouth surprises. He's got a mouth made of fingers, I love it! <laughs> Uh, and like it's different to the above the line like, he's like an imp almost look at those ears like oh oh this movie makes me so sad sometimes because look at what we could have had even when they told him to go more demon he made something like this it was so good what the hell you think that's good scroll down to the next version of the comic congo it's just below that Ooh. Now, I don't like to throw around Silent Hill to describe monsters. I feel like that's a bit overdone. But, yeah, I'm getting Silent Hill vibes from this guy. No, 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 I feel it. I feel it. You're totally right, though. He's like... He's like a terror dog, but instead of a head, it's just all teeth, baby. It's, it's teeth, teeth all, all the way, the way down. down. Just, oh, just this big, horrible, leathery thing. Are those more runes on it? I think they are. Yeah, I think they're runes I just burnt noticed... Oh, I just noticed something on this artwork. Vera, look at the thing he's standing on. Do you see? Yes! Oh my god! He's, st he's standing on a Resident Evil 6 display. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the horror! <laughs> Oh my god, I wish we could have seen this movie. <laughs> oh, I want it so uh, bad. Oh. So, our next design might look a little familiar. Uh, Vera, what do you think of this? Oh goodness, is that a lad? <laughs> it's edgy reboot Slimer. <laughs> Edgy Reboot Slimer! It's the Lunatics Unleashed version of Slimer. Honestly, that's a God, really good way to describe the aesthetic. Just the bones underneath. How he's like dissipating at the end. The eyes! Look at them! The eyes, the way the lips like flap back just beneath the nose. Now, if you scroll down to the article to enter the next image, you'll see that one okay. of the rejected ideas with this movie was to give was to give Slimer an origin story. Huh. So, as you see in this next image, we see, as they say, old gangster ghost, and he's looking a little familiar. He's looking a little green around the gills. 
Yeah, a little green inside the gills, too. This is because, and this is going by the Bogleach article again, in an early draft of the script, Slime was going to be this human gangster ghost, but in an early test of Ghostbusters technology, their proton beams would have torn him apart and reduced him to the Slimer we see above. That's... That's so cool, though. That is horrifying and fascinating at the same time. Like, I get what the article is saying here, because the author's not a big fan of it. They're saying how it's like the movie makers had to explain why Slimer didn't look human. And to a degree, I accept that. But at the same time, god, that's so cool. If they didn't name this Slimer, if it was just some other ghost who became that, that would have been amazing. I would have adored it. Okay, but seeing that design next to the original Slimer would be a lot of fun. Mm. I want these two to meet. I'm guessing that's what would have happened to the um, prison ghost, actually, because that's when they first test the equipment, it doesn't quite work out. I'm guessing that's what the original scene would have been? Huh, yeah, I guess so. And honestly, yeah, some resolution for that would have been, you know, really welcomed, because he does all get put on the train to Queens and then come back at the end, but yeah, I think this really would have spiced it up a bit. Also, going back to that edgy, horrifying Slimer design, Please look at the rows of teeth going down its throat. Oh my god, I didn't even know- I saw the first one, but like, oh my god. Yeah, there's like- there's at least an extra pair back there, and they're vertical. Yup. Or horizontal, whichever way you want to say. They are the ro- they've rotated 90 degrees, holy shit. Oh my god. <laughs> Welcome to Ghostbusters 2016, the home of mouth surprises. Mouth surprises. This artist had a motif, and frankly, I love it. I'm so sad we didn't get it. Me too. And the final design on this page isn't concept art, but it's actually a toy that was released to tie in with Ghostbusters 2016 of a ghost that wasn't in the movie. Uh, scroll down and tell me what you think of this little guy. Aww. Yeah, he's just a little guy split down the middle. Funky little bisected guy. Yeah. He's just, he's like a grilled cheese. You cut him down the middle and then you pull him apart and he's full of cheese. Oh, that's so cute. Now, there's no guarantee that he actually would have shown up in the movie. He might have just been a toy only ghost. But he just looks great. I love him. He would have been a really fun concept, like a little dude that, like, splits apart and both the halves run around and make mischief. Oh, I just remembered something, actually, that's very interesting. So speaking of merchandising... Uh, just give me a second. So here is an action figure they released of Mayhem, the rock show ghost. And let me send it to you now. And doesn't that look like some of the earlier designs? The hands especially. That has not really look like in the movie. Yeah, that does look like the earlier design. The colour and the texture reminds me of the otherworldly ghost? Yeah, let me go back up real quick. Um, he's like a combination of the red ghost we see, the otherworldly ghost, and like the second Comic-Con ghost we see, the yellow one, with the um, finger mouth. Because yeah, the yeah. extra appendages on the um the hands and the feet, so they're really giving me that vibe. 
it's just really interesting to see how the concept art comes into toys like this because this isn't you know new for the toy industry if you look at the force awakens toys they made this guy called constable zuvio who wasn't in the movie but he was in the um original draft of the script so this isn't like you know wild but it's still interesting to see how these designs even though they were in the movie they eventually became physical yeah and after this episode <laughs> and after this episode i'm going to scrounge ebay for this thing because i want it on my shelf <laughs> it's really good looking i can see why but it is a shame that none of these appeared in the movie you know mayhem is a cool design but it could have been so much more the clown ghost the idea of just this alien ghost edgy slimer <laughs> no even as a goofy the last one is really when you think about it. I still, I would have preferred it to just blue people, you know? It would have been more fun. And speaking of fun, these aren't the only things cut from the movie. So while I was writing my synopsis, I was mostly going off my own memories of watching the home release version with you. But at times I forgot the exact continuity of events. So as I mentioned earlier, it's available on Amazon Prime UK as part of your subscription. So I go on there and I realize that they cut out a lot of scenes in the theatrical version. Like, the first one everyone talks about is the dancing scene towards the end. The army and police come to confront Kevin when he's possessed by Rowan, and he makes them dance with his powers. And, you know, that's very fun, it's very goofy, and it comes up in the credits. But in the theatrical cut, he makes them do the little disco point, but there's no music, and that's it. It just cuts to the Ghostbusters arriving then. Which really... It sucks a lot of life out of the scene, I think. Yeah. But that's not the only thing they cut. Um, the scene where Erin breaks the blogger's nose, that's not in the movie. And the most shocking scene of all, the musical presentation, Paranormal is Normal, completely removed from the movie. It's just not in the theatrical cuts. What? Yeah, one of our favourite scenes where they get their black tail next and they do the little dance and they expose about the barrier, which is kind of important. It's gone. It's just not in the movie. I love that scene! What the hell were they thinking? And they obviously put a lot of, you know, effort into it. You know, the choreography and licensing the music and everything. The only explanation I can think of, and it's kind of sad, is that they saw the reaction to the first trailer, which had jokes that didn't land because of the pacing of the trailer itself, and, you know, the backlash of, oh no, there's women in my Ghostbusters. And I can only guess that, like, the producers saw that and just decided to strip out a lot of the fun. And that's why the dancing and... Well, most of the dancing, actually, just isn't in the movie. And that's... That's just kind of sad, I think. That's a crime! And... I guess now we got to talk about the legacy of Ghostbusters 2016. Oh boy. Which isn't saying much because... There isn't much of it. So, I think around... The time of the movie's release, they released a couple of comic books to tie in. Um, IDW publishing, they were already making Ghostbusters comics, to my knowledge. So they sort of tied them into their continuities, so that was fun. They did a couple of novel adaptations. But after that, and you know, after the backlash got reviews, because you know, kind of women in my Ghostbusters, they kind of swept this under the rug, they kind of pretended it didn't exist. And now with um, Ghostbusters Afterlife coming out, one of the lines in the trailers is there haven't been any ghost sightings in 30 years, which I know this movie is in different continuity anyway. Afterlife is in the continuity of the originals and 2016 is in its own thing, but 
that still kind of hurts to hear, you know? Could you fold them in somehow anyway? Have them, like, franchise out the Ghostbusters name? Or just elude them somehow? I know it's just the trailer, so we can't judge the whole movie, but... It just kind of hurts to see this movie that people are a lot of effort to, at the pre-production stage and the production stage, not only get torn apart by executives to remove some of the good ghost designs, but also post-production, just removing a lot of the most fun scenes from the movie. It's like partway through everyone just lost faith in Ghostbusters 2016. Yeah, it's really sad, honestly. Yeah, not to end the episode on downer, but like... This movie did not get a lot of love, and regardless of how you feel about women being Ghostbusters or not, if you dislike that, leave the channel immediately. But, no, even if you didn't like the movie for, you know, just as a movie, you can tell so much effort went into this at every stage, and to see it be swept under the rug, almost like they're ashamed of it, it's, it's just disappointing. Yeah. No, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone's work, frankly. And with that, I think we're basically done with Ghostbusters 2016. Vera, is there any other thoughts that you have regarding the movie about any of the topics we've covered? It was very fun, and I want to watch it again soon, honestly. Yeah, um, maybe we could do a riff tracks on it, essentially. Um, I don't think we can use the name, but yeah, we've got a little commentary track. Get it to sync up with our home releases. Could be fun. Uh, let us know in the comments if you'd be interested in that, frankly. Yeah. But beyond that, um, I guess I'll do it for this episode. Um, if you like the episode, um, please like and subscribe. Leave a comment if you have any suggestions for what we cover next or any thoughts on this episode. Uh, if you want updates on our production, you can follow us on our Twitter. That's UndeadRabbitsYT. Or if you want to follow us on Tumblr, just search the URL UndeadRabbits. Uh, Vero, would you like to plug your art account? Hi there. If you'd like to see some of my work, outside of the little icon I have on our screen, you can come to me at insmouth underscore in over on Twitter. I do art sometimes. I need to do more. That's not the point. <laughs> we are also on numerous other streaming platforms now. We are on Spotify. We are on SoundCloud. We are on Google Podcasts. And we are on Anchor. So if you use any of those streaming platforms, check us out on there. And if you use a platform that wasn't mentioned there, just search for us anyway. Just search for Undead Rabbits and maybe we'll be there. Maybe we won't. We're franchising, baby. <laughs> We're branching out. We are. Uh, just a quick heads up to everyone. After this episode, we will be taking a one-week hiatus. Um, production has been a little tough recently, so we're going to take some time to ourselves. If you have any suggestions for episodes working on in the meantime, please leave us in the comments below. Uh, we will be putting out clips of this episode, so don't worry about that. And yeah, I think that's about everything we have to cover. Yep. So, from both of us here at Undead Rabbits, stay spooky. Stay spooky. Bye. Bye. <laughs>